Oh, and you take us away whenever you're ready. Yeah, yeah, give us a countdown there, Phil. Okay, three, two, one. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Elite Rugby Banter, the podcast. Uh, this time again with the alternative lineup, which is very quickly becoming the standard lineup. I guess you could call it a, a new generation. But we are joined again uh, tonight by one of the OGs. Uh, Adam, are you there? How are you doing? Hey, Adam is not there. <laughs> Classic. Oh, is he muted? Adam, you there? Yeah, sorry. I keep <laughs> muting and muting my microphone. This newfangled technology with the new generation. I don't know. How, I don't know how it all works. We're all dads, and you're not. I think that you're definitely in the new generation in that respect. But uh, how's it? Good, right, good to well, be here. So yeah. the, the token dad for this week. Welcome. Yeah, I have to represent everybody. Well, so we're doing it at a time that's like much better for me. My child is sleeping. <laughs> that's why I'm oh, in my closet right now. So you need to dial into Mauritius. Yeah. <laughs> and we also have the, the two other regular B team players along with me. Um, let's start with Ant. How are you doing, Ant? Yeah, I'm very well. How could you not be after this weekend? Yeah, I think we're all going to be a little bit more chipper than usual. Um, Phil, how are you doing? Yeah, also good, thanks. I think, yeah, it will definitely be a different tone if we're recording a week after a Springbok loss, so I think we're all on the feel-good vibes. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into it, but I, I don't feel so bad for my uh, slightly tempered predictions of a Springbok win, but I think we're all pretty happy with the way things went over the weekend. Um, okay, we'll, we'll dive into some uh, news before we get to the weekend's games. Uh, we'll start with uh, the big scandal breaking in world rugby at the moment around the various Italian players who've uh, declared that they were actually in ineligible to play. I know, and you've been following this story kind of closely. Do you want to give us your inputs? Yeah, so it's a bit of a strange one. I mean, obviously, it's coming off the back of the whole Spanish eligibility situation where uh, kind of all tier two supporters are claiming how kind of unfair it is that how much scrutiny has been given to them you know, trying to keep players ineligible. For example, I mean, for this, the guy that was eventually caused them to be brutal out of this World Cup, I think he spent two weeks in South Africa like two years ago that broke his whatever continued residence. And some guy found photos on Instagram, in, someone from the opposition team found photos on Instagram and reported them. So it's like quite, you know, Sherlock Holmes to try and get them kicked out. Um, and now it's just emerging all these reports of Italian players that. Are just we're completely ineligible in world rugby. Just like, eh, well, it's fine. Um, I mean, I don't know what they what they kind of need, you know, should do retrospectively. It's going to guys that are retired already, which is maybe why they're coming out and saying things. But it's it's pretty weird that world rugby's processes didn't actually look at these players at the time. You know, it wasn't Mickey Mouse. Game. It was like Castro Giovanni ended up going on and playing over 100 tests for them. Like pretty big name players, and you know, obviously it's just. The oversight from World Rugby to look into this type of stuff and enforce it is pretty minimal, it would seem. Um, yeah, so it's just very strange. And again, you just feel sorry for a tier two nation that have gone through all that process and mess and fight to get to the World Cup. I can't remember even when Spain was last at a World Cup, but you know, at least pre-2011, I would think. Um, you know, and to get ruled out now is, is just very unfortunate from such a minor thing. Absolutely. And I think you 
you sort of uh, alluded to it there, but it's it's really fishy that there's so many Italian players now coming forward and saying, well, actually, I was also ineligible. I was also ineligible. And top players, as you said, these are not inconsequential players. And usually where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, how did so many guys get away with skirting the rules um, without the proper checks from the Italian Rugby Federation or whatever they call themselves and World Rugby? And I mean, someone must have known something and it just... It just stinks to me. It sounds like someone's been covering things up in the background, which, which is kind of sad. And, and maybe maybe it's got something to do with keeping Italy at a level that they can can compete in the the Six Nations. I don't know, because it was a whole it was a whole controversy when they started the Six Nations about why Italy got in ahead of other teams like Romania, um, who were particularly strong at the time, or Georgia. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm not saying that that's what happened. But um, it does. I think this Illuminati yeah. conspiracy theory angle you're taking. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna well, it's because it's like Rome's like a much nicer place to travel to than Tbilisi uh, or Bucharest. Well, you know, Bucharest apparently is like what do you call it? The diamond of the east or whatever. I don't know. I don't even know what the river is. But I mean, I've been to Rome and it's quite a beautiful city. The food's great. The coffee's great. Maybe I was going to blame Bill Beaumont. Uh, in, in some way, but I'm sure at some point he's responsible for, for the conspiracy, the Six Nations conspiracy. But Rome's just a nicer place, and so maybe the, the organizers are like, well, fuck that. I don't want to travel to some, some like shitty place I've never heard of. I bet you've never been to Tbilisi. This is if the Italians in and then help them out. But <laughs> more seriously, I just I think it's just also they're in the Six Nations, people assumed, oh, they're doing things right. I think they definitely got the benefit of the doubt in that respect. So, uh, yeah. It's it's classic Six Nations bullshit. That's what I'm gonna say. Typical. <laughs> Phil, any thoughts from you? Or we're gonna move on. Yeah, I think um, not to defend World Rugby or anything too much, but I I, I think since then and from now, uh, they have tightened these um, you know loopholes quite a lot, and it doesn't. It's no excuse for them not you know like you say looking into it properly back in the day. And in terms of Italy, the other thing I think they did just see it as a, a big like growth market and they really wanted Italy to succeed back then and they haven't quite grown as much as they thought they would. Um, yeah, I just saw the sort of the latest headline that I saw was that World Rugby aren't doing any proper investigation until formal complaints are laid and no one's done that yet. So I don't know if anyone like has a reason to, like even Spain, like nothing's going to happen. Like they're not going to get reinstigated into, you know, qualification or anything. So like you say, it's all just it's all messy. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think after this, I mean, it is turning into a little bit of a, a media story. And after this, surely World Rugby is going to start clamping down on this just to protect their own reputation. But it, it does, I mean, for those, a lot a lot of the teams in, in rugby have imports from Pacific Islands into New Zealand and Australia. You have South Africans playing for basically all the European top nations now. Um, all those eligibility rules are going to have to become tighter um, and they're only growing from here. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens in that space. But let's keep moving on because uh, I know we've got a lot of meaty discussion to come. Um, next one is the Nemani Nadolo move from Leicester going back to um, the Australasian sphere. And he's going to be going back to the Waratahs where he was last in 2009, although he didn't really make the breakthrough there. Before going to the Saders. Um, yeah, great to have a player of his class 
and quality uh, back in the, the Aussie rugby scene. Um, I assume he's done that for family reasons, being closer to Fiji. And um, yeah, any, any thoughts from, from the panel on that move? How old is he? I think he's 34 yeah. now. Yeah, 34 is what I read. Uh, okay. It's only a one well, I mean, year. He's never, no. well, never been the fastest. I mean, from a draft perspective, it's exciting because he's just like a big name player that, that anybody would want to own. Um, yeah, I'm interested to know does Jamie Robertson really work out? I'm, I'm sure he brought he brought his nous to the dressing room. Nadola would do, would do too, but would he supplant a um, Marky Mark? I'm not going to bother with the surname. That doesn't change about my pod presentation. I can't pronounce surnames. So that, that's you can just all the time. You can try. Yeah, him. Or I was trying to think who's the other wing that played that was on the other side. Um, it's the seventh player. I've actually just forgotten. He had a good season. So I'm interested to know where he might play. I mean, so Peach was, was a big Alex that drafted Peach. And it's, uh, it's Peach. Of, he had some big Yes, ones. no. And he, he had a good season. Uh, he had a very good season. So... Maybe oh, he offers squad depth. I'll say that much, and, and a mad offload. But yeah, I'm more just from a draft perspective. That 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 I'm excited about that. How early would you draft him? Uh, probably third round. Third round, sure. Yeah. He's all he's all yours, I think. <laughs> third round, I think you can take it. <laughs> How early did Jamie Roberts go this this uh, year? Did he go? Yeah, I'm, not I sure. I'm sure Matt signed him. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, he's a great Matt drop player to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, good, good for him to get a, another one-year contract and start winding down his career. I imagine. I think he's got 22 tries and like 37 caps for Fiji or something. So, a great record and a great player from from a from a second-tier nation. I guess you could call him a second-tier nation legend of the game. And great to great to see him still playing. Um, then our, our third, new, third news item, which I think will segue pretty naturally into our main discussion point, which is obviously the Springboks first New Zealand game. And that is the four-week suspension for Kirtley Aronser. Um, I think we're all in agreement that he was definitely in the wrong and deserved a punishment. Does uh, everyone agree it sort of fits the crime in this case? It is an interesting one, I think. You know, the, the four weeks versus the standard three we've seen. Um, it does feel a bit harsher, but but maybe that's because this is a lot more the... I mean, is, is this more or less accidental than a shoulder to the head? Maybe that's the starting point. It depends which one. Which, which shoulder to the head? <laughs> um, but I would say this one was bad, and I, I hear what I'm saying in terms of the standard three. Why do you deviate from that? Because they so often don't even when things look bad. But this was reckless, and obviously, as these things happen, like outcomes shouldn't matter as much. But the outcome was pretty bad for both players. Like unlucky Barnes are just smashing into the hip, um, Bowden doing like a triple somersault type of thing or whatever happened. So both players landed awkwardly, and that probably did play a result in the final um, outcome, even though you know maybe shouldn't. But uh, I, I don't think anyone's going to complain too hard about four weeks. If we're talking about, you know, it's reckless, it's bad technique, those are exactly the same words as going high in a tackle and hitting someone in the head. And then definitely it's been you know, concussed and they've not revealed as well as that. So while I agree maybe this is maybe a bit 
easier to, to not do, if that makes sense. All the words you would use to describe this, you would apply in, in, in the shoulders of the head situation as well. It's it's a semi-legal practice that the refs are trying to discourage. You know, you can tackle high as long as you don't hit the guy in the head, but they're trying to encourage you to go low. You can run and take a ball or jump medium height for a ball, but they're trying to discourage you to do that if you're going to take out someone's legs. It does, it does feel quite a lot similar to me, and I don't, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, I suppose we'll we'll get into the the hypocrisy of of other people's being New Zealand people's comments soon, but it, it is a weird one. I mean, look, and at the same time, I don't think don't think anyone's defending that challenge. It was incredibly reckless, incredibly dangerous. Um, but yeah, so is shoulders to the head. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, am uh, I? Go ahead, Adam. No, I just I I just wanted to chip in. I think I'm going to be beating Matt's drum here. Uh, speaking on his behalf, this is soon to be dad. Um, it's just the outcomes based nature of the result versus, uh, sorry, this is, I don't know what the, the correct law is, but right now, rugby is very much outcome based, especially on tackles. Oh, he rode up, it's mitigation. I just feel that there's not enough clarity in the law book. They should be trying to stem this stuff, um, I guess, from, I don't know, what, I don't know what the correct word is, from, from a technique or principal point of view, instead of the outcome. Um, because let's say a Barrett had landed on his feet, it would have been fine. Maybe he would have gotten a yellow, but just because he landed on his neck, he gets a red. And that's far too variable. I don't know. It just makes enforcement tricky. It makes people complain, and it creates inconsistency. Um, but then, look, and, and then you have to revise the entire law book, same as the high tackles and was speaking about. So do you deserve 100%? I just, it just annoys me that right now it's very outcomes-based um, versus... There must be a slightly better way of trying to mitigate it, uh, like treating the symptom rather than the cause, in a sense, from a law perspective. I don't know if the correct term for me, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Completely agree that the, the way things are, are judged on outcomes is wrong. Yeah, uh, I'm just a bit disappointed that it happened in the last 20 minutes, so we couldn't get a, a, another sub on. What's your view on, on the whole 20 minute thing? I don't right. know. I'm on the fence for international. Confirms not sure. listener of the pod. <laughs> I know. I, we, we, last last that, week we had a whole segment just for this, Adam. We even have a, oh, really? two sides of the argument. Andrew was willing to well, play Devil's Advocate. What's the too long didn't listen version of it? I can read it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, I think my, my child had a disease, guys. It was hard. Like I got ten hours. I, I literally landed from Kenya, and I got ten hours sleep in three nights. You know, like, like, times are tough. It really is. Well, students do that voluntarily, but uh, <laughs> the, the too long didn't read version was that the stats show you only get about what half a point every ten minutes of card. So therefore, twenty minutes costs you one point, as opposed to you know. A yellow card, which is yeah, not, I should have really listened to that. That sounds like a really good discussion. I hope others listened to it last week. Okay, well, there's a plan there for last week's episode, but I'm going to keep us moving forward. Um, <clears throat> of course, him being suspended opens up a, an interesting spot in the Bok team, which we'll get to after we discuss this week's matches. So we'll segue from there. Um, yeah, what a. <clears throat> I'll just discuss quickly some of you know the, the interesting narrative coming out of the New Zealand camp around this which they you know seem to have jumped very quickly 
you know, it, it sounds, I mean, it's just listening to some of the players. It sounds as if like they came off the field, went into the change room and Foster said, okay, guys, this is the narrative we need to give to the media that, you know, just like a Russi influencing a ref type thing. I mean, it's, it does seem again exactly the same um, of, of New Zealand trying to say, South Africa challenges illegally. We should not let them do that. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if, if there's any reaction from the refs or you know, but doesn't about it. But yeah, it just seems very, again very weird that they're coming out with us and playing all this moral high ground when you know they've had two players off the top of my head, Clark and Jordy uh, Barrett, who've got red cards for reckless challenges in the air in the last year. So like, um, you know, again, very hypocritical for them to come out and say that. And so quickly, but you know, is it just a deflection tactics? Do you reckon from Foster, or do you reckon they're trying to influence the ref, or just trying to change the narrative? A bit of both. I mean, <clears throat> if you're if you're Foster going into this week's test, which might be your last, if you have a bad result, you're going to be clutching at straws to make any any kinds of excuses. And it's an area that the All Blacks really struggled against us, and we had a lot of purchase. I think someone came up with the stats: we won back 50% of our kicks, or something like that. Um, yeah. And we were catching those, and he's saying that we're just going up to compete just to... Throwing just bodies knock. into the air was his words. Yeah, exactly, throwing bodies into the air, whereas actually we regathered a whole lot of those kicks, and, and a few of them were too far to compete, and there was one, maybe two unfortunate incidences where it was a, a reckless situation. But the box had, had a lot of uh, go forward from that and a lot of... Uh, Sort of momentum that was built off the back of that, including the one try, Kurt Lee Orance's debut try for the Springboks uh, in the corner there, off that brilliant Lucanio um, um, assist from the ground. Um, yeah, on, on a line with that, uh, was it Dylan Lates to SP Murray um, throw from the Stormers? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so if I was Ian Foster, I would be trying to nullify that as much as possible. And I mean, the ref next week is going to be, or this week is going to be under huge pressure in those situations to to blow what he thinks is a fair game. It's definitely going to play on his mind. Um, I, I just don't like it when when coaches get this public about ref performances. Uh, it just feels super unfair to the officials. We, we mentioned last week the effect of having two back-to-back games would be which you know didn't used to exist in the rugby championship between the two teams. It would be mm. like stuff. So, so this is one of the direct. You know, it happens more in test series where people talk about the refs and then that has an impact. And I feel like this has happened, you know, like forever. So it is. It comes back to that hypocrisy which Ant was saying. Like the Springboks got like all the flack from media. I mean, partly because you know the whole video and all of that. Sure, but it's a thing that happens all the time and. New Zealand now doing it. I mean, the, they they make it seem like um, it's like a new tactic that they weren't even expecting the Springboks to, you know, try and kick balls into the air and retrieve it. It's like they, it's yeah, it's grasping at straws and like you say, also trying to influence the refs. So it's yeah, their performance they just couldn't cope with it despite knowing what was coming. So they're just looking for a different way to try and cope with it. I think basically. And they shouldn't have struggled as much as they did. I mean, if you look at the personnel they've got, they've got Will Jordan, who's a natural fullback on the wing, and he's being outcompeted by Mapimpi. I mean, he should be competing equally well. He's he's usually brilliant under the high ball. And you've got Jordy Barrett, who's probably one of the world's best fullbacks right now. And then Caleb Clark's got such a massive advantage on Kirtley Aronson in terms of getting up there. Um, 
but for some reason they still struggled and I think they're gonna they're gonna struggle some more next weekend I don't think we'll see Caleb Clark back on the wing next weekend but we're sort of getting ahead of ourselves Jen so I think maybe let's talk about the game itself um let's have our, our opportunity to gloat on what was an historic and emphatic win by the Springboks over New Zealand which kicked them down to fifth in the world rankings which I think is the worst in the professional era and Springboks are sitting I think in second or third still uh, but you know nearer nearer to the top and where we belong as world champions um, yeah I think we all expected a hard-fought battle um, we still expected New Zealand to be up for this game but even though we only went in with a seven-point halftime lead I felt like we just dominated throughout um, maybe let's Let's start with, with Adam, what your thoughts were on the game. Uh, well, yeah, I think you, you pretty much hit it on the head. Um, I, I always I had that sinking feeling. We were such marginal heavy favourites versus the All Blacks. I thought this is just the sort of game the box will lose. Uh, it's always like Australia syndrome. We're always favourites against them, but we lose against them, even though we should be better. Uh, but no, we dominated up front. I think we won every facet of the game, except <laughs> but this has always been a problem with the box. Uh, we just can't convert our dominance into as many points as we should like uh, we should have beaten them by 30 our dominance was so good uh, was particularly our front at the breakdown me and New Zealand's unbalanced whose trio will get onto that but overall it was excellent and I just want to compliment Jaden Hendricks sir. Um, suddenly I was thinking Herschel you who he's, he's now back on the bench for the coming week but he was excellent with fact being knocked out I'm glad he's a lot better by the way but um, the, uh, just a big one to the coaches that built some real depth they're busy rotating guys every week and no one is complaining. So I'm just glad that there's a lot of planning going in, good coaching. I just wish we were more clinical in the back line. Um, but overall, it was just, I, said, I felt bad for the All Blacks, hey? It's just, it's just like, like, how do you face this team like South Africa? It's horrible. It's just, we just keep going. With, oh, it was, it was very cool. And the crowd was fantastic. Uh, so I'm super pumped for Ellis Park. I just wish we were a little bit more clinical. Like David Allen did when he had that line break and he kicked it out. I was just like, dude, just run, keep the ball, but it, it's fine. Uh, it, it was a, it was an excellent performance and just a big compliments to Hendricks and also Pollard. I think they kicked so well. Um, and yeah, it was just a fantastic performance. Marks is also excellent, so nice yeah. one on the coaches. No, nothing makes me happier than seeing a Cape Crusader brying his All Blacks jersey in shame. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe let's go to Phil. Phil, any uh, anything to add on Adam's synopsis there? Yeah, just on top of that, just I think for me, physicality was the main difference, you know, dominating the collisions and like every, every at least of the forwards, every single forward stood up and was so effective in their role. Um, guys like Malherber, Peter Steff, like we expected by now, but seeing them reach this level like every week and especially like if you compare against their opposites with New Zealand, they just smash them back like every single time. Uh, I think we mentioned in one of our groups like De Groot coming on and just being completely outclassed. He was getting smashed by all sorts of people. Um, yeah, and special mention, I think, like Adam said, Marks was incredible before he went off. He was just absolutely a beast. It always, and we discussed it last week, but it's always a tough one when he's so good. Like, do you start him? Is he more effective off the bench? I mean, he was pretty effective starting on Saturday. Um, and then also, yeah, Malherbe also. Malherbe was really, really good. Um, and I think I think his performance has also not gone without notice. And how about you? Yeah, I mean, I think it was always going to be an interesting one, given 
the favourites tag. Um, as, as Adam said, we don't traditionally do well with that. But I think you could see we knew that this was a very important game and we came out from the first whistle just with so much intensity. Um, and yeah, from that moment, they were kind of never in the game. I mean, the fact that they were, you know, had scored until what, the 76th minute in a red card, they'd scored three points. Like, that was just the most unbelievable shutout. Um, and, 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 I, and I agree that we got to half-time and I think the score was closer than it should have been, given our dominance. But you know, I think fair credit to New Zealand. You know, they, they're a strong defensive side. I mean, if you look at in the Island series, the same thing happened. I mean, they also got to half-time, you know, what, five, ten points ahead. And we all said the Island were so dominant but didn't actually get much points. And, and maybe that just reflects that New Zealand are, you know, they, they're not a tenth in the world team. They're still a really, really strong side. And defensively, they're really, really strong. Um, you know, and I think so. I do think we left a couple of chances out. I mean, there was that that one pass. I think when I'm on the pimpy put into touch, or and then there was one where Mapimpi just got tackled out. I mean, there was obviously the Elendi, the Elendi one um, quite early on in the game. Orange got tackled out. So there were, you know, we had a couple of good attacking forwards, and we just didn't quite finish or be clinical. Um, that being said, I think we we did really well in terms of managing the school. Keeping it clicking early, taking regular three points, you know, that Pollard drop goal was great. Um, also just excellently trying, just keeping that pressure going. And so, you know, it maybe we weren't scoring fives, but as long as we were going in threes, it didn't look like like New Zealand were coming gonna come into that game. Um, yeah. It is nice to see that we do still have those moments of individual skill. I mean that that um pass was just incredible. I think the more I look back at it, the more you see him on the ground. He looks around about three times in half a second looking for where Arnsa is. Like, as he's rolling, he keeps his head is popping around and then eventually manages to see the gap and gets it. It was just an incredible awareness, you know, whereas I think, like, the, the Lades one was was maybe a bit more blind hit and hope, like, you know, in, yeah. whereas this was, he was, you could see he was actively knowing that Arnsa was somewhere there and he just needed to get eyes on him and pass the ball. Um, yeah, it, it was incredible. So, no, I mean, it, all around a, a really nice game. Um, keen to see the the squidge breakdown of it um, and where he highlights. But I think probably maybe, maybe the best moment was that first minute with Fuck getting knocked out because that meant you know All Blacks had a couple of phases. They were on attack. That suddenly got stopped. Scrum penalty or scrum short arm to us. Scrum penalty on our put in. Um, you know, so within a minute they had already. Penalty down, we were in their half, and they, we never really left. Yeah, I mean, M is a rugby Jedi, and it's that that rugby intelligence that often goes unseen by the general public, but he is world best 13 right now, and he's showing that in these these little moments and um, these little gems that he's giving out. And you mentioned the the, the New Zealand defence and, and the fact that we should have won by more points. I mean, I think this was the biggest winning margin the Springboks have had over New Zealand in modern history. And I think the only one that was bigger than that was one point more in 1928 or something. So, you know, in, in, in that context, it's a it's a huge, huge win against the All Blacks. And um, I think, Ant, you were saying in the, in the build-up to this podcast, uh, some of the, the things that the New Zealand press and, and also Foster have said in the past that have come back to bite them about Am being a, a quota player and the Springboks putting Foster to sleep. I mean... Is is that egg on your face or what? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's pretty nice to see like 
that that dominance coming back. Um, it's especially the journey that we've been on with the world champs. And I mean, I think everyone's kind of kept saying like, yeah, you're world champs, but your win record 60%. Like, you know, you need to start winning consistently. And I think this is the type of results that we should be replicating at home every time we play someone. You know, we should be dominating people at home and winning you know, most of our away games. Um, so it's going to be an interesting, if, if this is the marker we can lay down for the rest of the rugby championship, um, you know, I don't see us matching anyone. I think that's kind of the key thing with our game plan. It's like, it's not necessarily yeah. a surprise, but it's just impossible to deal with. No one's got the physicality and the depth of players to deal with that many people going that hard at them. I mean, I think that was something that I found quite interesting is, is how much more the bodies we had in the defensive line and behind the ball. You, know, you would rush out hit the first or second man, but then there were three or four guys just swarming the second or third player as well. It was, you know, as opposed to just being Peter Steph or fast shooting out, we had like five guys shooting out the line to just cause complete. I mean, New Zealand didn't know what to do. They were just throwing the ball on the floor to try and get it away from yeah. us. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things. I was listening to Jeff Wilson. I don't know who he was talking to. He was talking to, I think, a New Zealand rugby show. And he just noted how in South Africa's defence, if one person turns in, everyone turns in because of the familiarity that's been bred within the squad. So there's that cohesion that's been built up. I think you're talking about the hunger. You can see New Zealand were desperate, but we were more hungry. Uh, there was that one thing. I don't know who was going for ball. I think it was Kane and Khaleesi were going for a ball after a high kick. Yeah. Khaleesi got there. And that happened throughout the game, which is so interesting. New Zealand was super desperate. But we are way more hungry. Um, and then from a technique side, in terms of, I mean, Twitter's, <laughs> or Twitter's Twitter, uh, people complaining about the way the box is cleaning out, Jasper Visa, for example, targeting him. Just from a technique standpoint, uh, just how technically strong we are. Yeah, we're strong at the breakdown, but technically we've improved significantly over that, over that period. And I think I saw a stat about Francois Herbert in particular. He's given away, I think there's only... Oh, damn, like it's just the number of scrum penalties he's given away over the last three years is min, and he wins a lot. Yeah, you know, he's not so mobile plus, around the field. Plus, it's plus yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, so it's just, uh, it's just the stuff. It's just Rassi understood it. Just uh, initially, originally, and Nibanov has taken it back. Just focusing on what we do super, super, super well. And that's just, oh, I just, I just want to see a gap, guys. Like <laughs> Pollard, he stands still. He just doesn't take the ball to the line. I mean, when he runs, it's fine, but he doesn't take the ball to the line and pass. Like, he stands in and then flings it. I'm like, brew. And he's, someone said he's more of a 12 playing a 10. And so, when I see that, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of true. That's the only area that bothers me, if he gets yeah. injured. Uh, I did love his drop goal, though. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not the biggest easy. fan. But when you nail the drop goal with one, one attempt, it's always See, when, when Pollard kicks well, it negates his weaknesses. It's just, uh, like, he's just very much on song or not. Um, yeah, I'll bring on next week. It's going to be very good. to be awesome. I'm very excited for it. All right. Uh, any last comments on that game? Otherwise, we'll just move on to Oz Argentina quickly. Yeah, I think I just want to say, um, like before the World Cup last year, we had a, I think, you know, speaking on the pod, I remember we had a generally positive feeling just because it felt like we were moving forward and there was a path of progression. And it feels very much like that's still happening. And it's definitely, a, you know, something to latch on in terms of positivity. It feels like they're taking the team in the right direction. Whereas if you look at some other teams, it's not so clear. It's all either a bit more sideways, it's still, still a bit more planning, or in New Zealand's case, just trying to figure things out. So I think moving forward and looking, I mean, the World Cup is not that long it's next year. So I think 
feeling positive right now is a pretty good thing. I think that's a very key point. Is if you look at all the other teams, you say they're either static or they, you know, I mean, a lot of teams. I think they peaked already. You know, if you look at France or, or Ireland, there's not much room for growth there. But if you look at us, like, I, you know, I mean, no one's debating that we are on par with them in terms of performance. But yo, we've got a lot of improvement that we're still expecting to see before next year. You know, it's it's not just like oh, we could grow. It's like yeah, that's the path and the plan. And by next year, we will be way better. You know, whereas the top two, uh, top two other teams, they're kind of hitting their peak. Like, you know, what, like what could France or Ireland do better in their game? Like, yeah. what can they improve on? Not much. Because we've got a lot to be. It's yeah, it's, yeah, it's just very exciting. Uh, you look at that uh, that depth that's being built into that. If you can call it like a South Africa A team, a South Africa B team. When we rolled out those 14 changes against Wales, people were still so excited to see that team run out because there's so much talent and potential in those sort of people bubbling under the the first 15 or the first 23. I think Springbok Rugby is in a very healthy place right now. Yeah, but that's the thing is the talent drop-off doesn't, there is no talent, it's just experience. You know, it's, we just have so many good players at the moment, it's just exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we go on to, to next week's game, let's just talk about the other the other game in the in the rugby championship. Uh, Australia beating Argentina 41 to 26. Argentina blowing a, a nine point uh, halftime lead. Um, I didn't actually I wasn't able to catch the game and I haven't yet watched the highlights. But uh, does anyone want to weigh in on anything? There are a few talking points, I guess, around Michael Hooper withdrawing for for mental health reasons and um, Quade Cooper going down early. Uh, any points anyone wants to raise? Um, yeah, I just also I, I didn't catch the game live, but I watched. Uh, I tried to get some extended highlights. Um, Australia, they they just seem like the type of team who I think we said before, but they they have like good systems in place. So when they lose someone like Cooper at fly half and they don't have a recognised number ten coming on. They're still able to function in a in a pretty much the same way, having Hodge and keep things rolling. I think losing Hooper and being able to bring McWright in, even though Hooper's obviously like a really good player and one of the best in his or one of the best players in the world even. Like McWright is a very good player in his own right. He scored a nice block. Well, it was I think it was rolling off. Uh tried, but he I think he had a good game from what from what I could see. Um and yeah, I, I, so I don't, I don't think they lose a tremendous amount of going from Hooper um, down to McGrath. So, uh, it'll be interesting, interesting to see how Argentina can bounce back next week, uh, because yeah, they started the game so well, they were like controlling, they kicking, k- keeping the scoreboard ticking over with penalties, but then just in the second half, they just either yeah couldn't keep that intensity going or just sort of lost, lost hold of the game. Yeah, I think we, everyone was kind of hoping or expecting, maybe hoping somewhat, but thought that Chica would, you know, the passion that Chica would tie in very nicely with the passion of Argentina. Um, and yeah, it didn't seem to, to come into fruition. I mean, maybe that's just because, or maybe that was the first half, you know, you managed to get them excited for the first half and they just couldn't carry it through. Um, but yeah, if they didn't win this one, I don't see much success for Argentina. For the rest of the rugby championship, unfortunately, this was kind of the one they they needed to go. Yeah, and no, I'm on the fence about whether Czech is like the right match with his sort of off the handle emotional approach because 
the Argentinians have always had that. I almost think they need someone to be able to keep that on the leash and channel that in the right ways. Whereas <laughs> I think Checa just like doubles down. But uh, yeah, I, th I agree with you. And I think Argentina would have been eyeing these two games against Australia to make a bit of a statement. I think they're going to struggle more against New Zealand and against South Africa, although a wounded All Blacks sort of looms for them. I mean, it would be a historic win for Argentina, Argent Argentina over, the, over the All Blacks if they can pull pull one of those off. Um, yeah, I, I think Australia are also a young side, one in transition. They they didn't have Karevi, they didn't have uh, Wade Cooper, they, James, James O'Connor's in the squad, but I don't think he's playing because he's got a bit of a, a niggle as well. So they're, they're also growing up their next generation and a team in transition like a lot of the, the top six or seven teams at the moment. But yeah, good, good signs for them. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Springboks playing them later in the series as well. There, there was always, I mentioned that um, Argentinian emotional approach. Of course, there's the, the token card in the game for Argentina. And I believe there was a little bit of um, confusion around who to actually allocate the card to. Did anyone catch that? Yeah, so it's the, the, the ref, um, the Scots, Scotsman, uh, Mark Adamson, was trying his hands as best he could to communicate in Spanish. Apparently, it didn't work too well. Um, but I think the <laughs> the funniest moment of that was when he you know, accidentally sent off the wrong player. Um, <laughs> but I think the funniest part is that the, the, you know, the player in the question was Lavanini, who just accepted that he was going to get carded. I think he's been carded so many times that he just thinks it's normal now. <laughs> he doesn't even ask questions when the ref says, get off. He's like, yeah, well, I suppose it's my time. <laughs> <laughs> I think shame. I think that's the kind of thing that refs wake up in like a feverish sweat after a nightmare. But um, yeah, shame. He was trying his best, obviously, but that's that's a little unfortunate. But it couldn't have happened to a more I don't know predictable player than Lavanini. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like it's just so easy to also just make that assumption that it was oh yeah, well, it's an Argentinian lock. Oh, it must have been Lavanini that gave away the card. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think we'll we'll look forward now to um, the remaining fixtures in uh, these little, I guess you call them mini series, these two two test uh, tours that everyone's doing, and let's start with um, Springboks versus New Zealand. I think there's quite a lot to talk about in terms of the selections this week, five changes. But I think the message that I've got from that team selection is that South Africa is looking to to double down and make a real statement against New Zealand the second week in a row. We haven't thrown our, our B team out there at them. We've kept very much a first string side and just mix and match the bench. A um, couple of uh, talking points maybe is Dwayne Vermeulen coming back, um, taking Jasper Wiese's place, who I think is, has done well of, of, of late. And um, of course, filling that, that spot on the wing, um, Jesse Krill being selected in that position. I think they only really had Galant and, and Krill and Vili to choose from, and they've gone with Jesse. Um, yeah, thoughts on thoughts on the squad selection first? I, I think that uh, choosing Creel at 14 was the sort of safest option. Um, we've seen him probably most recently, I think it was last year's end of year tours playing 14. So I think general consensus seemed like Springbok fans would have liked to see something a bit more exciting, whether that would have been Gallant or Billy or some other sort of combination of moving people around. but. 
you know, knowing knowing the coaches, knowing the setup, and keeping things relatively consistent. I think it was only ever going to be cruel on the wing. Um, he knows exactly what to do in that position. He's pretty good in that position. I think we've spoken about how you know he's pretty like he's got the right sort of skill set for playing on 14, especially in this sort of system. Um, so I have no doubt he'll um, he'll fit right in and he won't let anyone down. Um, and it's yeah, it's interesting to see Dwayne come straight back into. Uh, I imagine he's feeling 100% and he's been training well. Um, yes, Bavisa hasn't done anything wrong, I would say. He's sort of done what's been expected of him. Like he was part of a phenomenal pack effort last week. Um, but yeah, Dwayne is even at his sort of slightly potentially over the hill age. He's still just such a phenomenal uh, player that he's sort of untouchable if he's um, if he's fit and able and playing at the peak of his ability. Adam, how are your, how are your feelings about um, the team we're going to watch at Ellis Park? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I would love Marks. Just to, I mean, I've been a Marks fan since he was playing for the Lions, but uh, Bongi is going to be, he brings something different, uh, aggression. Uh, I, I don't have too much to add to Phil. Uh, I'm just so chuffed that um, we've got two quality number eights. Like, Visa had a bit of a tough Lions tour when the Lions were here last year. He's already accrued 10, 15, I don't know how many caps. And we now have two quality number eights, which is fantastic. Now, the team are going to do it. And I like the fact that Krill <laughs> is a win because he's got the sideline to keep him there. Because you know him, he's got, <laughs> he's got a habit of going left or right. Um, and I think defensively, he's strong against Clark. I actually want to comment more. I'm interested to see the All Blacks team then on Thursday. It's so irritating. We get the Bok team on Tuesday. It's great. We have to wait on Thursday and see that the All Black team, particularly the back three, Jordan's carrying a stomach bug, so he might not start. Uh, both the Barrett's are doubts. I think Richie Moe's a better fly half anyway. Um, the loose trail is still going to remain unbalanced. Um, I, I, don't just, I just see Foster making too much. I just want to see what the back three looks like. Uh, I, I, I think Reese will probably come in because they're going to get a lot of bombs. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just interested to see the team that Foster puts out. He doesn't have a lot of options. Um, and that Austria, it's going to remain a balance as long as Sam Kane is captain. So, Do you reckon the they might play Scott Barrett at six? I just don't, I just don't like him at six. I don't know why. I just think he's. I, I, I can't give you a proper reason. I don't want to say he's too slow. Like Peter Stepp isn't isn't the fastest either. I just don't, I just don't like. I, I, and he had a good game. I think Scott Barrett actually had a pretty good game. The locks were their best players, uh, along with Topiaro. He was excellent. So that, that, that's an that's interesting that's, question. That's maybe the thing is that like. Scott Barrett's not great at six because he's only actually played two tests there. I don't know why, but everyone kind of gets the feel that he's been, you know, quite given quite a lot of games. But he's still actually only played two tests there in the last three or four years. Um, like, you know, again, notwithstanding, but, the, the, you know, they need a body. And, and he was definitely outplayed, I would say, you know, Kane and um, Curate. So it'll be interesting to see if they do that. You know, would Vai you know, still fill the locking roll sufficiently and then allow... Um, Vibe better six. That's the one I saw in Super Rugby, um, if you ask that's me. That's sort of a shot. But then again, then you're playing now another person that's never played six. Yeah. six no, nine. well, yeah, I guess my final yeah. comment would be Foster, Foster's had this um, endemic problem of picking players out of position. The box do not do that. If there's one player for position, he chooses it, and even if it creates a log jam. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see their team selection. I'm worried. It's an all-black team. Uh, the box is even bigger for it. <laughs> we might drop this one. Uh, but the team looks great. Um, I, I, I'm excited. I think it should be yeah. good. And also, I just love Dwayne. He's got that Opa vibe about him. He's just <laughs> solid meat. 
I think, I think, you know, we've dropped games in the past from expected because of, you know, like when we lost against Australia, you know, that was after the Lions tour and, you know, we were a bit flat and we had the All Blacks coming up as the big focus, whereas now it's like All Blacks are the focus. You know, we have to beat them two at home. Because you know, if we beat all the All Blacks two at home, then it doesn't really matter what happens in Australia. Not that I, not that I want that to happen, but I mean, it, people would be a lot more chilled to lose two against Australia than you know, people would re- remember the All Blacks victories more, I think. Um, yeah. Not that I want us to now simply go easy um, at all, obviously. No, of course not. I think it's a big derby and we all want the Springboks to win. If we're going to take two against New Zealand, I agree. We don't really mind so much what happens in the rest of the tournament, especially if they choose to blood some newer players like the Evan Roses and Ulrich Lowe's um, and the Kanan Moody's, who's been brought into the squad as injury cover. He obviously hasn't made the match day team, but um, Adam was saying we never play players out of position, but we've got a center on the wing this weekend, and we had Apalele Fassi in the squad until a week or two ago, and then he was dropped from the squad or released or whatever they want to call it, and then they bring in a 20-year-old um, uncapped player, whereas I, I was under the impression Apalele Fassi was one of these project project oh. players for, for the rest, but um, Jake White's come out and said he thinks... Sorry, Adam, he thinks Caden Moody's going to be a 100-test springbok, but I think that's just classic Jack White talking up tactics. Adam? Yeah, I was just going to... Uh, yeah, I wonder what the issue may be with us. This is your area of expertise. <laughs> uh, Andrew would be better to know. Uh, maybe it's a mental or personality thing. Uh, nobody doubts his talents. Uh, I, I was surprised. I'm a big fan of his, so... Uh, I hope he... I'm sure he'll get back to the team. Uh, I was just surprised, but... Again, look... The box, the coaches know what they're doing. Um, Jake White's never wrong, guys. So, you know. <laughs> and you're a big Shark supporter. Why isn't Fassi in the squad? I really don't know. Um, you know, I think look, there must be something there. I think something that people highlighted is, is maybe defensive now and just mongrel. Um, you know, like Kurt Lawrence, you can see he's just got that fight to, to just get in amongst it and, and deliver. You know, the same thing that Quacker does and, and, you know, all of our players really, you know, they, they've got that willingness to bleed for the team, um, literally and, and figuratively. Maybe maybe that's something that the, the coaches feel fussy is missing a little bit. Um, you know, I think, think you know, that, 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 that tackle that Villamusa did against uh, Clark, which we haven't mentioned, and I think you know, can't be missed because that was just I mean the fact that he got beaten on the outside and then managed to reel him in and just the desperation to go for that dive and make it but anyway you know would Fussy have done that I mean Fussy's maybe got a bit more edge on pace so maybe he could have but you know maybe that's the only thing that I can really think of um, you know and, and why they've brought Moody and they have been commented Moody's defensive reads are very very good uh, yeah, so although I guess what it is yeah Moody hasn't been brought in to play, I don't think. He's been brought in, if he needs to play, he can play, but he, he's also been brought in as a bit of a, just a, getting an exposure to the to the Springbok setup. I just think if I was up at Lelefasi, I would be a bit frustrated. You were in the squad, you dropped, and then they bring someone else in. Um, you can't feel great after that. Just, but, you know, they, they, all the right things get said about man management in the box squad, and they, they communicate these things ahead of time, and 
they know their roles in the squad and when they're expected to play. Um, yeah, maybe one last talking point on the Springbok selections before we look at New Zealand and, and the rest and make predictions uh, in our last few minutes. But Phil, maybe as our resident Lions supporter, Malcolm Marks has a man of the match, 50th test match um, at, at uh, Mbombela, and everyone is now saying he should start. What is your opinion? You know, how, how best do we use the weapon that is Malcolm Marks? Um, yeah, like I, like I said earlier, it's it must be so tempting to, to start him. But I, I, I think the way that they've been working um, the systems and the combinations especially. So we've also seen Ox come back this week. Um, almost all of Ox's games, we've seen him start alongside Bongi. Um, that sort of combination. I think that um, as good as Marks was last week, I also have no doubt that he'll be able to make just as big of an impact off the bench this week. I mean, there were articles coming out like straight after the match about how you, you know, sort of negate Marks and how you're able to target him to make sure he doesn't have such a big impact. I mean, that must be a lot harder to do when you when he doesn't start and you sort of are tired and you have to regroup and you have to try and like somehow, you know, meet him at the breakdown or try and tackle him as much. Um, it, so it's a little bit frustrating because he was so good. and. To be honest, he, like Adam was saying, he always is so good. Like, I don't think he's ever come on and you don't think he's made an impact off the bench. But that also speaks to it. I'm sure if we had see, seen him make as many starts, he would have some games where he didn't quite look as good as he did this last weekend. But um, if, if he's happy on the bench and if I feel, which like I said, I do, that he'll be able to make an impact, just as big an impact off the bench, then I'm, then I'm happy with it. And Bongi is the more sort of solid starter. So bringing Bongi off the bench, I think even like we sort of saw on Saturday, it doesn't feel like it brings the same impetus. Yeah, I think Ant was saying last week that um, the, the general feeling is that the guys have bought into this bomb squad concept and they, they do see the value of coming off the bench and that is a legitimate role in the side. Um, so one just hopes that that is true, because uh, he is a weapon either way. And I, I, maybe the balance with Bongi is what really seals it. I think Bongi's much better up front than than Marks is. Uh, well, not not better than Marks necessarily, but better. He's better up front than coming on as a bomb squad member is what I'm trying to say. I think. Um, thinking from New Zealand side, I mean, Ian Foster's staring down the barrel. Uh, this could be his last game in charge of a team. Some people are saying or in charge of the All Blacks specifically. Um, and I think with uh, you know, his temptation must be on the back of a bad loss to tinker with personnel. But, you know, this being a do or die situation, does he stick with a similar squad um, and try and pull those plans through that he didn't execute this last week? Or does he tinker with it and try and get some new combinations to spark? Um, and I think we'll, the, the big test will be whether the All Blacks players get themselves up for this game as a vote of confidence in their coach. Because um, if they don't do it on the field, it's likely he's going to be gone. If not now, then very soon. Um, and I think with the, the World, Club, World, World Cup looming, um, probably sooner is better if they're going to get a new coach in. Um, yeah, and to Adam, maybe you guys have any thoughts on, on the New Zealand mindset and selections and, and how that might play out? Uh, yeah, I mean, I made that point about the back three. I just think I'd hate to be him to pick a side. Uh, it's, a, it's a classic dilemma. He's damned if he does, he's damned if he doesn't. Um, I just think, based on what I've seen from New Zealand these last uh, against Ireland, even last year, uh, it's just hints of what we saw under Alistair Katsia. It's just little things aren't like his was a little bit more glaring. 
Um, but with him, it's just uh, the game plan isn't clear. And just these little things like connecting, also commitment from the players. And that comes from the coaching staff to a degree. Um, so I think he's gone regardless if he wins, personally speaking. Uh, obviously, if, if they lose, <laughs> nobody will know. I think I think he's, they're going to get rid of him no matter what. I think he's busted, he's a bastard flash. Um, I just hate to be him pick, uh, to pick the side. Um, and look, it is New Zealand. They could kick our ass, you never know, <laughs> because they come out of nowhere. Um, yeah, I, I just, I'd hate to be able to pick this team. I, I just have a feeling, I'm just happy that he's not going to change his lose trio. Then we're going to dominate the background, and it should be fine. Um, because Moang is a good player. I think uh, if we can, if we can just keep them stifled like we did in Mbobele up front, we'll contain Moang. Because Barrett always cuts inside. Moang is one to attack, attack the outside shoulder. So uh, we will see. Um, it, should, it should be an exciting game. So, yeah. Anthony, thoughts from you on that? I mean, yeah, it's 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 difficult. Uh, Moang hasn't played much recently, and uh, Caleb Clark was rusty. So, what would you do? Yeah, so I think that they are going to have to reshuffle the back just because of Barrett and Barrett both being out. Um, and then if Jordy's out as well, then that really you know, leaves them looking thin at 15. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they deal with that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't really, I think that the thing I was going to say is it doesn't look as if the players are, you know, they don't want Foster. I mean, you couldn't say it was a lack of effort last week, I don't think. I mean, if, again, if you look at the defensive performance, they're putting their body on the line, they were trying things, there was effort from the players. It was just ineffective, you know. I think the strategy, the coaching is wrong. Um, and, you know, there's, there are some selection issues, again, like not having a proper 12 or a proper uh, blind side. But it doesn't, it doesn't, certainly doesn't feel to me as if, if the players don't want to be there, you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be suddenly a big loss for Ron now as a result. But I think, you know, you'll probably, I think the, the, the big issue is, or question, will we do they move back to six or not um, and then bring Bai in? I think we'll see Moanga at 12, um, sorry, at 10. Um, if Jordan plays, he'll yeah, maybe move him to fullback and then you bring on Reese at 14. Um, that's probably the most likely, I would think. Um, but yeah, with Jordan's now two bad games in a row against the box. Is he really the person you want to have at 15? Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, as you say, it's it's not a week to want to be an all-black coach because what can you change in in the time you've got now? Yeah, I also thought not David Avili's had a pretty poor run of form as well, and there's a temptation to throw Roger Tuivasa-Shek in with his Blues partner, Rico Ioane, who I thought was one of the better all-black players on the night, actually. Made some really incisive runs and was trouble. Uh, so, yeah, what do you do? I mean, do you put do you pair Havili with his Crusaders fly half and hope he comes right? Do you throw to Basashek in there at 12, who's raw but has a lot of talent? Like you say, it's not a week you want to be an all-black selector. And so, on the back of that, maybe let's get to the predictions and, and round up. So... For Australia versus Argentina, let's uh, start with Phil on that game. Phil, what do you think? Uh, um, it's, it's a tough one. I think we somehow we landed on Argentina winning last week, and then maybe Australia being able to turn things around in the second week. So disappointed from them in terms of the final result in the first game, but I I think Australia will do enough then to be able to 
you know, uh, keep the result the same. So Australia by by one try by seven. Yeah. Probably with Lolisio at fly half. Who I know you like, eh? I would imagine they'll fit him straight in. Despite Hodge doing well off the bench, I think keeping Hodge as your, you know, your because they also had a six-two um, split this last weekend. So having Hodge as one of your backs and a scrum half, just you know, that covers like every position given Hodge's versatility. So yeah, I think Hodge will stick to the bench side. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the six-two split and how that was tested with Faf being knocked out. But bygones be bygones. And what do you think, Argentina, Australia? just very quick on that. I mean, it's been three in the last four games we've had to bring on our reserve early because we lost Colby, then we lost sorry, then we lost who did we lose in the first game? Yes, Wales. Uh. When we brought on Vili, oh, uh, no, oh, so we just brought an Elf on at halftime. But then yeah, we lost Colby in the third test and then we lost um yeah, you know, the 6-2 has been tested in the last couple of games, but you know that's the whole point. You've got to play. It's unlikely to need to have two backline injury players. You know, if you've got a scrum off that's a little bit versatile, maybe that's fine. Um, yeah, I also back Argentina. I think that's. You know, I mean, sorry, Australia. Like <laughs> I said, this this was the game for for Argentina to take, and they did it. So that ship sailed. Adam, you're going uh, three for uh, three, Australia. Yeah. No, you guys said it. Um, Australia will coach team. Uh, they're heading in the right direction, so yeah. Uh, I, I don't know about Chaker too. So, was by seven? Sounds about right. Yeah, I, I was I was backing Australia this last week anyway, so I think they're going to be even more dominant now that they've got a, got their groove against the Argentinians. And then the game we're all heavily invested in. Um, maybe we'll start with Adam on this one, since uh, you're going to go watch it live uh, with me in the stands. What do you think we're going to watch? I've seen New Zealand twice in Joburg and have lost both of those games. So I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, so, Don't go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <to> my, dad. <laughs> my dad's going with that. And he said to me, I'm, I'm the difference. Yeah. Um, I think I think we'll win. Oh, you know, if, if we get things right, we'll blow it out. I, you know, I'm going to be positive for once. I think we'll beat them by 10. No, no, not 10. So I actually wanted to say 14. That was my original answer. We'll beat them by 14. Okay, and we'll go back to Ant now. Ant? Yeah, I mean, I think I already said last time, I said 28-15 was the score. I think we'll, we'll score a bit more. So I think we'll be in the 30s this time. It's Ellis Park. We traditionally score higher there. So I think it'll be 33-20. So similar scoreline, I think. Um, but just a bit more points to both sides. So a few more long-distance Andre Pollard penalties at altitude this time. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see, you know, 38-40 to 10 I mean, yeah, I don't, that, I don't think we'll see awesome. that, but, oh, God, that's magical. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so we, we're all going, I mean, it feels like both our, our head and heart uh, predictions are, are Springbok leaning, but um, heart, heart is saying Springbok's by a lot more, but head is saying a bit more conservative. Phil, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I think the coaches, to be honest, will be happy with a yeah. one or two point win as long as it's yes. not like, you know, like causing them to get grey hairs. Um, but a winner over New Zealand is always a good thing. Um, I think if the Springboks just do the basics as well as they did last week, just don't allow the All Blacks to play to get those opportunities off, like broken play, those turnovers, those areas where even if they're badly coached, they can still produce something from nothing. If we just limit those opportunities, then there's no reason why 
it can't at least be a similar scoreline, if not an improvement, like we said, there's room for the frameworks to improve. So, yeah, feeling confident. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that as well. I think the the temptation is to say that a wounded all-black side is a dangerous all-black side, but we said that after the first island loss, and we said that after the second island loss, and now we're saying it after the first Springbok loss. It might just be that there's actually a gulf starting to form between the all-blacks and the top four sides. So let, let's let's hope we all uh, our hard prediction comes right and we have another record-setting historic win. Um, but I think, as you say, we'll all be we'll all be happy as, as Springbok supporters with with any win, no matter the no matter the margin. I think that's what the the selectors have had in mind of this this week's side. So, yeah, I think that that sort of wraps it up for us this week. Let's uh, just have any parting shots from from any of you, um, Phil. Yeah, like I said, feeling uh, confident about this week. It's just can't see any way for New Zealand to fix so many glaring errors. Yeah, so go. Just going in with positivity, going in to enjoy the match, going in expecting a win cautiously, but mm. also to enjoy the game. Um, yeah, that's all. And from you? Yeah, no, I think it's it's things are coming around and it's just exciting to see. Like, there's not that much more to add. Just hope we go out there and smash them. And Adam, it's been great having you back on the pod. Yes, no, thanks. From you? thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm just excited to see Adam's park full. Last time I was there, where it was actually full. Okay, I've missed a few tests. Was then Curry Cup final like 20, many many years ago. I've been to a couple of tests since. Uh, just going there, it'll be my first All Blacks test at this park. So I'm just pumped that since COVID, uh, it, it's going to be a real occasion, which is which is great for the inner city, as well. Uh, it was Joe Big the vibe, guys. The vibe, <laughs> yeah. I've um I've only been to one test at Ennis Park, and it was the historic comeback win against England before the oh, yeah, geez, that Cup, fucking, so. yeah, that's hard to top. So, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe my mojo will balance out yours and, and we'll have a, yeah. a good Springbok victory. Yeah, so. like bad juju. Yeah, that's good. There we go. All right. On that note, um, thanks to all three of you for, for joining us on, on this week's episode. And uh, I hope we come back next week in an equally positive and optimistic mood. Um, thanks, everyone. And uh, yeah, stay safe. Cheers. Yes. Cheers, guys. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Great, good hosting, Andrew. Cheers. Oh, that was really nice and done. I think we are bang on in an hour. Uh, yeah. Good, good we're, getting, we're getting better at this, I think. <laughs> <laughs> As a collective. Cool. All right. I've, I've got to run, guys, but um, yeah, that was good. And, yeah, uh, and, and will you take care of getting it to Matt? Uh, Matt's unavailable. Um, uh. But Adam. yeah, said that I must chat to Adam. Adam, I'll see you to cut and post. If I email you the thing. Is Adam's video <laughs> present? Yeah. Dead. All right. Well, hopefully he can. Um, otherwise, yeah. <laughs> well, otherwise, he just recorded this and I had a nice chat. <laughs> I, I might be able to do it if you can send me the MP3, but I don't have the, the lead in and all that stuff and the login to the pod stuff so it's it's best if adam can do it i think worst case scenario um adam can upload i don't know if adam has all the other stuff there but uh speak uh answer speak to adam or you've already sent a message i think so yeah i'm sure we'll get it sorted all right awesome awesome thanks cool. guys thanks, enjoy the rest of your evening cheers. cheers thanks cheers guys that was like a yeah enjoy the game andrew and, um, yeah <laughs> cheers, cheers